You know, I don't think anyone would disagree with the statement that we live in a world where justice is sometimes hard to get. You know, one of the first phrases our kids seem to uh, parrot to us is, no fair. That's right after mine. Uh, No fair. How often do we hear those words, you know, in the home and in our personal relationships and sometimes even in our courtrooms? And we do cringe when we see justice perverted, when criminals escape due punishment and victims are victimized by a system that is supposed to protect them. You know, these things rightfully upset us. And we often find ourselves asking, what's the world coming to? Well, I'm not sure if it'll relieve you or depress you, but things really haven't changed over the years. Justice was hard to get even in Jesus' day. And he painted a picture of the difficulty in finding justice in a courtroom to teach us some very important truths about justice, about prayer, and about perseverance. The parable begins by making it clear that while it may be hard to get, justice can sometimes be found in human courts even in those presided over by unrighteous judges. We're in the 18th chapter of Luke's Gospel, verses 1 through 5. Now, he was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not lose heart, saying, There was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God and did not respect man. And there was a widow in that city, and she kept coming to him saying, Give me legal protection for my opponent. And for a while he was unwilling. But afterward, he said to himself, Even though I do not fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection, lest by continually coming she wear me out. Now, that's an unusual parable, is it not? But before we try to interpret it, let's just look again at the parable itself. It opens with a widow coming before a judge. And he's not a good judge. He's not a righteous judge. He's a judge who doesn't fear God and a judge who doesn't respect man. He's probably a Roman magistrate, one of a group of judges known as robber judges because they were known to pervert justice for a dish of meat. He's a man who's in it for personal gain, nothing else. He has no respect for the rights of those who come before him. He's not motivated by by high ideals of of being fair and championing the... uh, Uh, the cause of the undertrod. He has no fear of God, no sense of accountability to a higher power. He's simply a mercenary judge of the lowest caliber. 
And before him comes a widow, one of society's most vulnerable members. And she's seeking legal protection from someone who's apparently trying to take advantage of her. You know, snidely whiplash is at the door. And she has no one to protect her. So she comes seeking the help of the courts, seeking the help of a judge. Now, she comes with no bribe in hand. So we see her being kept at the back of the line. But eventually she gets to present her case and he looks it over, sizes up her potential for personal profit and declares there's nothing he can do. He figures that's the end of it. The next day, she's back. She's waiting in the office when he arrives, and she won't go away. And she's back every day. Obviously, she's not going to give up. And so he gives her what she wants. Again, he couldn't care less about justice. He just wants to get rid of her. She was wearing him out. The word means she was literally giving him a black eye. Now, I don't think that means he was afraid she was going to beat him up. It means he would just look bad if he kept ignoring a little old lady who kept coming day after day after day to his courtroom. And so he handled her case. And the widow got justice. Because of her persistence and nothing else. That's the parable. So what's the point? What's the point? Well, Luke tells us that Jesus taught this parable to show that we ought to pray and not lose heart. So is this an illustration of what we must do? To get justice? Is Jesus saying that we must badger and plead and hound God to get justice from Him? That the only way we can get anything from God is to make such a ruckus that He cannot ignore us? Is that what Jesus is saying here? You know, sometimes we do pray like that if we don't get what we want. We pray more. We pray harder. And we try to get others to pray for us. Is this parable saying that the only way to get God to listen is to rally support and then storm the gates of heaven with a mob carrying our demands? Is that what this parable is saying? Does that fit with what we know of the character of God? I don't think so. I don't think so. So what's going on here? Well, this is a parable, remember. And the word parable comes from two words. Para, meaning beside, and balo, to throw, as a ball. So a parable is something that's thrown alongside something else. Thrown alongside to help us understand something else. And it can be thrown alongside for comparison. This is what it's like. Or what? Contrast. To show the opposite. I think it's obvious this is a parable 
of contrast. God is not an unrighteous judge whose hand must be forced to do what is right. And I think we should keep that in mind when we're seeking prayer support. Now, there's nothing wrong with praying for each other or requesting others pray for you. Paul requested prayer that his heart might be kept soft, that he might find the right words to say, and that he might find the strength to do God's will. And Paul interceded on the behalf of others. His letters opened many times with, I'm praying for you all the time. Every time I pray, I mention you. Praying for one another builds a a sense of community in the church. It's reassuring to know that brothers and sisters are praying for you. I'm delighted when I hear that someone has been praying for me. It's a good thing. But we must never get the idea that a prayer chain is a way to bind the hands of God and force Him to do our will. Prayer is not an attempt to manipulate an unrighteous judge. This parable was not given to teach us that we need to approach God like a persistent widow before an unrighteous judge. That if we don't get what we want, we just need to try harder and threaten God with a black eye. It's a parable of contrast given to assure us and to encourage us, saying, I think, if justice is available in human courts, it's absolutely guaranteed in the court of God. Let's read on, verses 6 through 8. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge said. Now shall not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night? And will he delay long over them? I tell you that he will bring about justice for them speedily. However, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Jesus said, hear what the unrighteous judge said. So let's hear it again. Even though I do not fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection, lest by continually coming she wear me out. Now again, he did not care about the widow. She was nobody to him. And he really did nothing for her. What he did, he did for himself. To get rid of a pest. In doing so, however, she did get justice. And she got it because she asked for it until she got it. Now, contrast that with what we know of God. And it's obvious that justice is guaranteed when we come before him. We are not some unknown pest bothering God with our prayers. We are God's elect. He chose us. He knows us. He cares about us. He has plans for us. 
We've been brought into His family. So we are not strangers coming before an unrighteous judge. We are family coming before our Father. And don't you think a loving Heavenly Father will do more for His children than an unrighteous judge might do for a stranger? Of course He will. So pray. And don't lose heart. He'll meet the need. He'll answer the prayer. He will see to it that justice is done. And even if justice doesn't come as quickly as we would like, it is, I think, guaranteed by the nature of God and the statement of Jesus. But you know the The last part of verse 7 says something about the possibility of delay or of patience or long-suffering. And it's it's a bit awkward. It's a bit hard to interpret that, that phrase. The New American Standard has chosen to translate it, And will he delay long over them? And then answers it in verse 8. I tell you that he will bring about justice for them speedily. Now, that's a good, straightforward translation. When we come before God, will he delay over them? Delay long over them? The answer is no. He will bring about justice for them speedily. The words can be translated that way. But does that always happen? Does justice always come about speedily? Sometimes it seems that it doesn't. Sometimes it seems that God delays a long time before answering our prayers. Now, it is true that what we perceive as a lengthy delay is but a moment to God. A thousand years is but a day to Him. We understand that as best we can. But it really doesn't help much when we want immediate answers to our prayers. Still, if that is what Jesus is saying here, we, we can accept it. We can agree that God doesn't delay too long and it comes speedily. In his time frame. But there are other ways to interpret that passage as well. You know, literally, verse 7 ends with these words. And yet he is long-suffering over them. Not will he delay long over them. It's talking about long-suffering. And this could be an explanation of why God doesn't always answer our cries immediately. He is long-suffering He's exercising patience, but that doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. If he doesn't answer our prayers immediately, who's he showing patience to by not answering them immediately? Obviously not us. Well, who's them? Well, they might not be those seeking justice. They could be the ones causing the problem for the elect. Maybe God is giving the offenders time to repent. And that's why he doesn't mete out justice at our first request. We say, God, let justice be done, and we expect a lightning bolt to fry somebody? Maybe it's God's patience that's saying, whoa, 
Give him a chance. Give him a chance here. But justice will be done. Jesus assures us that one day justice will be done, and it will come suddenly. The word translated speedily may have more to do with how justice will come than when it will come. It will come, and it will come quickly. It will come decisively when the time is right. And we can be assured of that. That makes sense of the text. Might be a little, little better to understand, but maybe there's another interpretation. It's even a little bit better. Makes a little more sense and still fits the context. Jesus said that God will bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night. But why did he say who cry to him day and night? Again, was Jesus suggesting that the elect must cry day and night to get justice like the widow before the unrighteous judge? I already suggested that that's not the case. It's a parable of contrast. So what's he saying? Why does he bring up this who cry day and night like it's something we ought to do? Well, could it be that he's simply stating that many of the elect do in fact cry day and night before God, thinking it's necessary to get what they want and to get justice done? Could it be that while not suggesting that they must do it, he is simply acknowledging here that they often do? We do cry to God. Sometimes we forget that Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount that we shouldn't pray like the Gentiles who suppose they'll be heard for their many words and we fall into a pattern of thinking, I just got to say it more and more and more and more and finally he'll get through. Or we forget that we have a Father who knows our needs before we ask Him. Sometimes we do cry as if we're praying to an unjust judge. Now, it is true we're told to come before our Heavenly Father with our daily needs, and that means we are expected to regularly come before Him, daily acknowledging our dependence upon Him. So we ought to pray at all times, and that means day and night. Paul tells us to pray without ceasing. God expects us to be in constant communication with him. But we do not have to cry to him day and night for justice to be done. We have every assurance that it will be done. Still, when we're distraught and we're desperate, we do tend to cry to God and beg and plead. And when Jesus says that he is long-suffering or patient with them, he could be referring to the fact that God is patient with us, even when we act like he is an unrighteous judge and cry to him day and night. 
That even though our crying is not necessary and perhaps even a bit offensive to a just and merciful God, He is patient with us. He knows that we're hurting. We're scared. We're frustrated. And Jesus is here assuring us that justice will be done. It's guaranteed, even if we at times act like it might not be. He understands our weaknesses, and He accepts them. He's not critical of our approach. We don't get upset when our kids come to us with their requests. Even if they come with Not the best attitudes or the most assurance. They're still our children, and we hear them. God wants to hear from us. And even when we come to Him in ways that that might not reflect well on His nature, He's patient with us. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for that. His primary concern is simply that we not lose faith. That we not give up, even when answers don't come as quickly as we might like. But even if we do get desperate and start crying day and night, he still wants us to know that justice can be found, if justice can be found before an unrighteous judge, it is again absolutely guaranteed before our Heavenly Father. It's a powerful message to this parable if we understand it correctly. Now, justice may take time, and it might not even come until Judgment Day. But we can rest assured that justice will be done. And if it's not done before, it will be done when the Lord returns. You know, I had a little extra time yesterday. I read through the entire book of Job. I started in the morning, didn't know how long it was going to take, and I took one break and I continued on. It's the first time I've ever really read it in one basic setting. It's an amazing book. Amazing book. And it fits together a whole lot better when you do it all in one huge chunk. Take a couple hours and read the book of Job. Really? I think it'll help you understand the frustration that sometimes we feel. And I think you'll come to understand how God hears our prayers and perhaps even gets a bit upset when we show lack of confidence in Him. But in the end, how He will bring about justice in His own time, in His own way. That's guaranteed. He's not an unrighteous judge. He's our Heavenly Father. Justice will be done. Our prayers will be answered. And if justice isn't done here on earth, it will be done when Jesus returns, will it not? That's absolutely guaranteed. So Jesus concludes his parable by asking, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? 
When Jesus comes back, will we be found faithful? That's the question Jesus asks. Have we learned our lesson from the parable of the unrighteous judge? Do we have unwavering confidence in our loving Heavenly Father? That's the question Jesus would have us ask ourselves. Do we trust Him enough to pray confidently and faithfully until He returns? I pray that your answer is yes. And if you've not already done so, now is the time to express your trust in Him. Let's stand. Thank you.